So this morning, your bulletin is wrong. And it is not, it was not Miss Terry's fault. Thank you, I was about to get to that, Miss Terry. But your bulletin is wrong this morning. We will not be in the book of Hebrews. We're going somewhere else. So I told you as I went to this conference this week and I was filled and challenged, encouraged, tucked things away for another day. As I sat yesterday, I remembered a message that I wrote a few years ago. And I want to share that with you because that's where God said to go. So I want to ask you this morning, what do you do when the storms of life come? What do you do when the storms of life come? We'll get to that in a second. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of if these walls could talk. What makes a home? Is it the size? Is it the paint? Is it the furniture? No. It's the people. It's the memories of a life shared together. The good and the bad. It's those things that we go through in life who shape us into who we have become. It's a place where love is found. You see, I started writing this message while sitting at 145 Glass Hill Drive in Conway, South Carolina. Back in 2012. It was a place that was called and made home for more than 45 years by the Bell family. You see... This was my grandmother's house, the home that my mother grew up in. At the time this was written, my nanny, as we affectionately called her, had just moved to Sumter. She had the early stages of dementia, and she was living at an assisted living facility here in town. And so that year, as I went to the Coastal Evangelism Conference, I had gone the year before and and stayed with her. And I always kind of like to stay alone because it's a time for me to get alone with God. After I go and I hear great preaching and teaching and I take notes and God just speaks truth into my life, I like to be alone just to, to pray and to think and to ponder on what I've heard that day. And so this year, in 2012, I was at her home while she was in Sumter. After that first night, I got back and I settled in in a quiet house with an occasional tick-tock, tick-tock of her nearby clock. That's how quiet it was in her house. And I began to think, what if these walls could talk? What would they tell me about life, about my family, What could I take away to better my family and others? Immediately there was one verse that came to mind. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. We're going to need them. It's going to be like a Bible drill. We're going to go multiple places in God's Word this morning. But I thought of one verse over in the book of Joshua. So if you will take your copy of God's Word and Turn over to the Old Testament between the books of Deuteronomy and Judges and you'll find Joshua. And I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. 
And if it is evil in your sight to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As I mentioned already, this trip each year is like a retreat for me. It's a time for me to get along with just my Bible and God. When I wrote this, I I said it'd be sad to see that one day this house wouldn't be in our family any longer. And it's not. It was sold. And all we have are the memories. It's someone else's house now. And I pray they'll make it into a home. You see, there's a difference between a house and a home. When I wrote this, it was pretty much the same. Her bed and her sofa and her chair were gone. But other than that, at the time that I was penned these words, it was still as I remembered Right? Everything else was the same. They just plucked those few pieces of things out to go and to bring with her to Sumter. And after sitting a while in the living room, I decided to walk through the house. See, friends, there's something to be said for getting alone with God and there just being silence. Nothing more. How often do you do that in your life today? Where there's not notifications going off on your phone or the TV blaring, right? But just alone. And so after I sat there a while, I walked through the house, and there were many things that brought back memories. There were pictures of our family and the place where Nanny's Bible sat. I have to tell you a funny story about her Bible really quickly. Her Bible was thick and had tons of stuff, as most older folks have, just things they tucked away. And I noticed in the back of her Bible, it was just like bulge. There was this part that was like making the back of the Bible stick up. And so I'll never forget that she had her Bible with her, of course, I'm sure, but it wasn't there. But I remember before I had looked, I think the year before, there was this bulge in the back. I said, what's up with her Bible? And I turned to the back of her Bible and she had taped a compact mirror in the back of her Bible so that she could check her lipstick before she got ready to leave church. True story. And then there was her lovely 1960s bathroom with pink tiles, which somehow, friends, is probably back in now. And she'd she'd kill me for telling you that, but I think it's funny. It's one of those memories that made Nanny's house a home. And then I found myself back in the living room where Christmas was held. Everyone all together, squeezed into that tiny room. And I began to think of my family. And of the laughter. And of the joy. And the rustling papers as us kids tore into our presence. You see, my nanny didn't have much. But every year she gave us $15. And mom went and bought us some little toy. Right? My other grandparents gave more. But nanny didn't have much. But she gave a little bit. That we might have some little joy. And she could see us open those presents. But I remember the conversations as the adults, they sat around and they talked. Friends, we don't do that anymore, right? When was the last time that that you just saw families get together and that they just enjoyed each other's company and they enjoyed conversation and they enjoyed telling stories? You don't see that much anymore. Oh, all the memories. There's a song, there's a song, Precious Memories. Oh, how they flood my soul. Right? Sometimes all you have left is just the memories. I want to take you back to 1962, to Loris, South Carolina. It started out as any other day. Nanny had stepped over to the store that she and my grandfather owned, and he had to run some errands. As Nanny reflected back on that day from her room here in Sumter, she talked about how excited they were. When he, turned, when he returned, they were going fishing. She loved to go fishing. They were going to go to the inlet. I can remember going fishing with her with the, 
a crappy pole down near her house when I would go visit with her. She loved to go fishing. And she said one thing I thought was kind of funny. She said she remembers saying if we didn't catch anything, we'd stop back by and buy some on the way home. Right? She just wanted to go and she wanted to fish. She wanted to be in God's creation. She wanted to be with her loved ones and just spend time together. And then a woman stopped by the store. She said there had just been an awful accident down the road. When I talked to my sister around the same time I wrote this message, my sister Gina said, did Nanny tell you anything about the angel? And I said, well, what angel? You see, the woman who stopped by the store that day had never been seen before and never been seen since. Nanny doesn't even remember her buying anything. But there is one thing she remembers her doing. As she got ready to leave, she asked if they would pray together. If they could pray together. To pray for the family of those involved in the accident down the road. Some time went by. And the next person in the store was their good friend and business owner who owned the business next door. Nanny said from the look on his face, she knew. It was my granddaddy in that accident. He died that day in 1962, just down from their home in Loris. He left behind a wife and four children, 12, 9, 5, and 3. My mother was the 9-year-old. And so I want to ask you this morning, when the storms of life come, what do you do? You take shelter. In the life of a Christian, that shelter is our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, it starts with a belief. For my nanny, that belief took, took place years before, after her marriage and starting her family, that she came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that she believed in her heart that Jesus was Lord, that He came, that He lived a sinless life, that He died, that He was buried, that, and that He rose again, taking on her sins, and had now come to live inside of her, to comfort and to keep her all the days of her life. Friends, as I, I listened to this message that I originally preached and I originally wrote, there were details that I, I forgot. Right? And so I want to encourage you this morning, have conversations with your loved ones. Kids, Caleb, Chandler, Katie, Katie, other children here this morning, have conversations with your grandparents and with your parents and ask them about the trials and storms of their lives. So I asked Nanny how she learned, how she dealt with learning of granddaddy's death. She said, I did everything I could to have a heart attack. She said, I went out pushing the plow and making a garden. And then God spoke to her and said, if she was to die, who would take care of the children? From then on, she said, I asked the Lord for His help to carry on. And you know, as I think back now, even as I tell you that, my nanny had a love for her garden. She would plant things and beans and squash, and all kinds of other things. Maybe that was just her way to get along with God. As the old song goes, you know, he walked with me, and he talked with me in the garden. Right? Maybe that's where she found peace. Maybe that's where she met God. And so I want to ask you this morning, has your relationship started with Christ? Is it where it needs to be? Friends, it starts with a belief. What does God tell us through His Word about belief? 
Friends, we're going to spend some time here. You need to know that you know. The question I want to ask you this morning is, can you take me to a place and tell me of a time that Jesus became your Lord and Savior? I don't want to know about a time that you walked the center aisle. I want to know about a time that you walked to the cross at Calvary. A center aisle doesn't save you. It's only the shed blood of Jesus Christ at the cross at Calvary. Amen? So many people are lost and going to hell because they walked an aisle. They, they just did what everybody else was doing, but they never met Jesus. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. It's often one of the first verses that I highlight in the New Bible. It says this, And then he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Friends, Abraham believed and was counted as righteous. Move with me over to the New Testament. Go to the book of John. Can I tell you that it's a beautiful sound to hear God's people flipping through the pages of God's Word. We're going to start in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You know this. Many of you know. We're going to start in verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Friends, don't stop there. Look at verse 17 through 19. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because He has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Friends, as John penned those words some 2,000 years ago, the light has come into the world. Jesus has come into the world. But people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Turn with me over to the 14th chapter of John. Fourteenth chapter of John, verse 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Turn over to chapter 20. Jesus, after the resurrection... Is here with Thomas. So let's look in verse 27 through 31. Listen to what he says. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord, my God. Jesus said to them, Have you believed because you have seen me? Listen, friends, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now turn with me over to the book of Romans. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then Acts. Then Romans. Why do I do that? Because not everybody's on the same page. Not everybody's in the same place. Not everybody knows their Bible as well as you. Maybe you don't know it as well as you think you do. That's why I do that. I do it as a help. Right? I do it because I need it as well. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21 through 25, Paul writes to the church at Rome and says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. 
the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. Verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen. And are justified by His grace as a gift. Through Him the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Turn with me to chapter 10 of Romans. We're going to look at one more verse. This sums it up, friends. This sums it up. Verse 9, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Look at verse 13. For everyone, friends, there's no one beyond the reach of God this morning. I never forget in youth I would say, well, you should go invite your friends from school. Why well, I'm not going to invite so-and-so. No. There's nobody beyond the reach of God. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. My nanny and her four children moved from Loris to the big town of Conway. They had settled in their new home that they had built on Glass Hill Drive, and life went on. Then, in 1968, a small rural church right around the corner on the other end of Glass Hill Drive welcomed the Moore family, and my grandfather is their next pastor at Langston Memorial Baptist Church. You see, friends, Conway, Langston, hold a special place in my heart. It's where my parents met. It's where they started dating. It's where they were married. And the rest is history, as they say. But friends, as I sat in my grandmother's house that year that I wrote this message as I went back this week. The weight. The weight of truth hit me. Then and now. Had that little old church never called my gramps, my dad's dad, to that church... My parents probably would have never met and I wouldn't be standing before you this morning. We worship and serve an awesome God. A God who connects for His glory, for His good, and for His purpose. Some years passed. My parents settled here in Sumter where some of our other family lived where my grandparents eventually moved back to as well. And my aunt in Conway. So I want to take you to a time in February of 1990. It was just another day. It started no different than the days before. My aunt Denise, my mom's sister, was seeing my seven-year-old cousin Jennifer off to school. I'm told she was wearing my shoes that day. My Aunt Denise had walked across the busy two-lane road called Highway 905, which just happens to be down the road from Langston. It's on the same street in which they lived to the bus stop right across the street from their house. As my Aunt Denise returned to the other side and got back in her car with her youngest child, Lacey, who was just a toddler, named after my grandfather, of course. 
It began to drizzle. Denise got back out of her car to go and get Jennifer. And when Jennifer saw her mother coming, when she was almost to her, Jennifer proceeded to look both ways as you're supposed to. There were no cars coming. She made sure of that. And with her mother watching, she wanted her to wait. And she began to take her first step into the road and Denise yelled, Stop! By that time, Jennifer was in the center of the highway. She paused. And a car came flying out of nowhere. And the side view mirror hit her in the head. The car never stopped. It just kept going. From Conway to MUSC she went. My sister told me the story of what happened there at MUSC. In a small room, my Aunt Denise got down on her knees and began to pray. Lord, she's always been your child. Thank you for the opportunity to have her these seven years. If you need her, take her. But Lord, help me through this. Jennifer died there at MUSC. So I ask you again this morning, when the storms of life come, what do you do? It starts with a belief. starts with a relationship. But friends, you pray. Not thy will, but your will be done, Lord. I asked my nanny how they got through that time. I was too young. They left me here. I wasn't witness to any of that. And Nanny said the way they got through that, she said, the Lord. She was hurt. And she was hurting for her daughter, who had just lost her daughter. Friends, when I thought about Jennifer that night at Nanny's, the only way anybody could make it through these things is through prayer and looking to God. So let's look at what Scripture has to say about prayer. Turn with me to the book of Philippians in the New Testament sandwiched between Ephesians and Colossians. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Turn back with me to the Old Testament. I told you it was going to be a Bible drill this morning. Turn back with me to the Old Testament, to Deuteronomy. In between Numbers and Joshua. I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. Listen. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon Him? For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon Him? Friends, He's just a call away. Right? Call out to Him. Have a conversation with Him. Tell Him your needs. Tell Him your hurts. Tell Him you're angry. He can take it. Listen, friend, prayer and obedience brings the blessings of God. 
Prayer and obedience brings the blessings of God. Some of you are praying, but are you being obedient to what God is calling and asking you to do? A little over eight years went by after my cousin Jennifer was tragically killed. To this day, they've never found the person who hit her. Pray for that individual. Can you imagine the weight? They know what they did. It was in the news. It had been the talk of Horry County. My uncle, who was a, a great businessman in the community, put up thousands and thousands of dollars to help find someone. Never did they find them. Pray for them. Pray they found the Lord. But eight years went by and life went on. So I want to tell you a little bit about my Aunt Denise. She was something else. She called me hero. And she was always pushing me and my mom all of us, for that matter, to be and do our best in everything that we do. Listen, friends, you don't leave the house in the morning without looking sharp, without your hair combed, and your clothes neat. That was the way Aunt Denise would have it. And at the time that my mom and I were walking through some valleys in, in our house, my Aunt Denise challenged us, encouraged us, pushed us on. She was a pistol, as my mom would say. Well, there came a time that she thought she had endometriosis. And she didn't want to take off to have surgery. But her boss finally convinced her. She went in for a hysterectomy. And they found it. Ovarian cancer. She was a fighter. And we knew that. And for 18 months, she fought. She died in March of 2000. So when the storms of life come, what do you do? All right, it starts with a belief. It starts with prayer. It, it starts with taking shelter with our Lord Jesus Christ. As a child of God, our shelter is Christ. Another note about my Aunt Denise. Her name, her memory, lives on. You see, as Kendall and I had our first child, we named our child Caitlin Denise. And Kendall has a very unusual spelling of her name. And so somehow, God said, well, we should call her, because my Aunt Denise went by D, D-E-E. So we took K-A-Y off the beginning of Katie's first name, and D-E-E from Denise. And Katie, or Caitlin, Caitlin, we call her Katie. So Denise's memory, Denise's legacy, Denise's life lives on. And I love to tell people about that because why? That's part of our testimony, right? Every time I talk about my child, I get to say, well, they say, well, how'd you come up with that? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you how we came up with that. Friends, how do you know Christ? It's by walking, not just in or through the storms, but daily walking with Christ. Proverbs, Old Testament, sandwiched between Psalms and Ecclesiastes. I want you to turn to Proverbs 3. Many of you know this verse. You've heard it. Probably recited it in Awana or Sunday school. I have written in the margin of my Bible, verses 5 and 6. It's Kendall's life verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. 
Turn with me over to the book of Isaiah. Between the Song of Psalms and Jeremiah. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. Help if I was in the right chapter. Like it doesn't go that high. 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Turn with me over to the 55th chapter. Verse 6 through 9. Friends. In this service, in your life, in your circle of influence. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that they may have compassion on Him. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. One last verse. Turn with me to the book of Joshua again. Chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. In the margin of my Bible is written, verse 8, Granny Moore's life verse. That was my grandmother, my dad's mother. She is passed on to glory now as well. But what I tell you this morning, have conversations with your loved ones. How do they get through the trials and storms of life? What are the verses of Scripture that they cling to in their darkest hour? Friends, I encourage you, do you have one? Do you have a life verse? Do you have something that you can go to and you repeat and you put that thing on repeat in your mind when you're going through the storm because you know that God is faithful and that His Word is true and that you will cling to that? Do you have one? I do. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. That's a litmus test, friends. When I go out into the world, am I working for Chris or am I working for Christ? What guides you? Joshua 1, 8 and 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all which is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Verse 8. Sorry, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I asked my nanny a few more questions that afternoon that I talked with her in her room here in Sumter before I wrote this message, wrote and delivered this message for the first time. And I asked her about how she'd gotten through life. She told me this. He'd put no more on us than we can stand. Sometimes you hardly could. But I'm here soon to be 83 years old at the time. He sure has brought me through a whole lot. If I hadn't had him to hold on to, I wouldn't be here today. And then she said something profound. 
I loved and lost. I loved and lost. I loved and lost a husband, a granddaughter, a daughter, a sister, and a son. All tragically. My grandmother was not a fire and brimstone in your face woman of God. I don't even know. Sometimes she, there were periods that she didn't go to church. But friends, because I had conversations with her, I knew what? She found her strength in the Lord. This took on a whole new meaning. This takes on a whole new meaning as I get ready to read this. I asked her then if she could say something through me to you. Somebody in this congregation that might be hurting. Going through a valley this morning. Nanny says, trust in the Lord. He'll bring you through it. He brought me through it. Amen. Nanny went to be with the Lord on February the 9th, 2016. As Miss Bessie begins to play, I want to tell you about a story. I told you several stories this morning. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient. Yesterday we went to a pool party that my boys were invited to. There's this dear, precious saint named Miss Jolene. She's in her 80s. She's old enough to be my grandmother. And when I talked to her, she called our house before and asked for the boys and invited them. And she said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for Bible Fellowship Church. I'm praying for you, preacher. And she asked me yesterday, she said, what are you preaching on tomorrow morning? And I told her, I said, well, I'm preaching on the storms of life. I didn't go into what we just went into. All I simply said was the storms of life. You know what she told me back? She said, well, Chris, I've been through some storms. She said, I had a son, Richard. He was 56 years old. He had a massive heart attack. And died not too far from his home. Friends, only God. She didn't know about my granddaddy. Right? She didn't know that he tragically died. But how is it that God puts two people together that they share a similar story? And then she said, Miss Jolene said something profound that I want to share with you this morning. She said her prayer was, as she hurt, And she didn't know how she could go on. She said, Lord, make some good come out of this. Make some good come out of this. She said, Chris, some good came out of this. She said, my daughter-in-law that we had all tried to reach for years and years and encourage and point her to Jesus, she wouldn't have it. Oh, but friends... God sent another man into her life. She began a relationship and married him. And he was a godly man. And her daughter-in-law came to know Jesus. So Miss Jolene, in her hurt, in her pain, she glorified God because something good came out of it. I want to ask you this morning, if we were to visit your home, What would your walls say to us? If we were to visit your home, what would your walls say to us? Friends, as Joshua challenged believers then, and he's challenging us now, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can that be said of your house? Who are you serving this morning? Are you serving yourself? Are you serving the risen King, the Almighty Savior, the Healer, and the Comforter? This morning, 
I preach with two coins in my pocket. Two storms in my pocket. And I told you about this morning that South Carolina leads the nation. Unfortunately, God forbid why we lead. I have no clue, but it's because of so-called Christians that fill the pews of churches. They put a bullseye on their pastor's back. That they're no more following God than they're following their will and their way. But friends, in one pocket, I carried a little simple gold coin that says Band of Brothers, Proverbs 27, 17. You see, I went through some training and went through a group with some men called Band of Brothers. And it's where other pastors get together to love and to encourage and have a safe place as we came from across the state. And I carry that coin in the pocket this morning because there's other men of God standing and faithfully preaching and teaching God's Word. They're fighting spiritual battles. They're fighting hell. They're fighting spiritual darkness by the acre. I carry that in my pocket to remember them. But this morning... I carry a coin in my pocket that I've never carried in my pocket before. You see, it's a silver dollar from 1899. Why do I carry this? Because it belonged to my granddaddy. And when he died, the contents that came out of his pocket, my grandmother put in a Ziploc bag and put in her drawer. And when we went to move Nanny out of her house, we found that bag. It had some silver dollars and some other thing. I don't remember everything it had. But one of the things, the only thing I took out of that, that my mom, my sister, and I were in the room, the only thing I took was a silver dollar from 1899. You know, it was surreal to hold that coin in my hand then. I'd never met my granddaddy. But to think that he carried this pocket, carried this coin in his pocket when he died. Friends, I ask you this morning, what do you do when the storms of life come? Mamas and daddies, grandmamas and grandmamas, granddaddies, aunts and uncles, listen, listen. You are being watched. Your family is watching you. Right? They're watching you. How you deal with the storms of life. There might be here one there might be one here this morning that's never taken that step and accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Friends, I want to caution you, I want to challenge you on something. Even though we get together as saints of God in the house of God, one every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. And secondly, just because you got a senior saint filling a pew doesn't mean that they're going to glory. They testified at the conference that I was at this week. Eighty year old people, pastors are baptizing because they come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They filled a pew for years and years and years, but they never had that personal relationship. And so I throw that out and you say, well what preacher we're all saved. I don't know that. And we must give an invitation, right? We must offer and ask and, and ask people, is there anybody who will come? Come. I invite you to come. As I asked you this morning, can you take me to a place and can you tell me of a time? Not a time that you walked a center aisle, but a time that you walked and that you saw the cross of Calvary. Look at this middle stained glass window. There's Jesus on the cross. Is there a time that you've gone in your mind, in your heart, that you've walked to Calvary, that you've recognized the cross, that you see your Savior there, Friends, He died. He bled for you and for me. He took the wrath of God that should have been mine, that should have been yours. He gladly took it on so that you might have eternal life just by simply accepting Him and what He's done. I want to share really quickly a song with you this morning. Portions of a song. It's from a song called The Eye of the Storm. Old Testament, Jesus, uh, sorry, God is talking to me, and they say, well, who do we say sent us? And he said, I am sent you. The great I am. So I, capital I, the eye of the storm. Listen, he's the eye of the storm. 
the center of my calm, the place where I find shelter, the place where I find warmth, the center of my ways, the keeper of my days. When I can't feel the sunshine and my ship is tossed and torn, he's the eye of the storm. When the storms of life come, what do you do? Friends, it starts with a belief and a confession. It's sustained through prayer and walking with the Lord. And it's a change of our outlook. Instead of looking at the storm, you look to the Savior. How does your house serve the Lord? Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you and in, in your awesomeness, Lord, that you didn't want me to be without you. You wanted to have a relationship with me. So God, you sent your son Jesus that he might come as a man through the Virgin Mary and he might live a sinless life and show us how we're to live. But God, you had an ultimate plan for him. Lord, that plan was for him to die for our sins. We thank you, Lord, that he bore that cross, that he took the sin, he took that wrath that was mine, that was the wrath of everyone under the sound of my voice. God, you loved us so much. You want to have a relationship with us. God, I pray now as we sing our song of invitation, as we just spend a few more minutes reflecting on what your Holy Spirit has spoken to our hearts. God, when we be obedient to what you've called us to do, may we take that next step towards you. God, may we accept so we can experience your love, experience your mercy, experience your grace. God, for those that know you this morning, God, you didn't save us to be an end, but a beginning. God, help us to be a conduit through whom your glorious, life-changing gospel would flow to others, to flow to those in our circle of influence, to flow to those in our family that others might meet Jesus because we have. Father, we thank you and we love you. Amen.